But if you had a bunch of, if you had 10 bases, yeah. would, how would you, you bring 10? I guess my question is like, how much is too much? How many, how much gear can one man <laughs> really have? Yeah. Well, I, how, how much is too much? There was a time where I, I had like six or seven bases at once. That's I'm uh, spoiler. We can just end the podcast now that seven bases is too many. That's way too many. Um, but I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I'm not sure yet. That's why I want to talk about it. I don't know. I don't know if that's too many. That's I, my, that's my instinct. Well, I have a few things about it. I think, okay, if you're going to the studio, if you're going to waste everybody's time by like doing takes on one base and then doing takes on another, it's, it's a little different when you're in an amateur band or like a lower level professional band where you're, you're, you're spending money to be there. Just show up and play the best instrument that's going to work for the songs, hmm. you know, and, and kind of know that going in maybe like if there's a song where, you know, maybe you've got like, like, okay, let's say it's bass. If you've got like mellower kind of more open note type stuff, you could bring something with like a humbucker that really doesn't have to cut through the mix. But if you know, you're going to be playing like some 16th notes and some eighths and you really want it to like dig in and cut through, maybe bring that P bass that has a little bit, you know, better boosted mids, something like that. So you're thinking that sounds like a song to song thing though, right? Mm-hmm. So devil's advocate yep. maybe one song maybe one part of a song you need the eighths and the 16ths yep. and you want the thing you were talking about and then maybe the rest you need a different thing like how much is too much dave well so it again with how the, do you decide how do you decide i mean we are you know we are gear people so we want to bring as much crap as we can but like again you got to be respectful for people's time like um i understand for a guitar like like with guitar, maybe you want to play the rhythm on your Les Paul, but maybe you want to do the solo on a Strat or something, you know, let's just say, or vice versa. You would be wrong if you wanted to do that. Yeah, would it be switched switch no, those two around? No, that's that, maybe, but also I just... Yeah. I, you, I actually okay. played a Strats for a long time, but I kind of have this weird... We're like, going to get you back into Strat land. I don't... I don't I've played some good ones, yeah. but I, I don't know. I'm going to bring that Paisley back over one day for an episode. Well, see, I do. I do. That's but that's, that's so much about the look of that guitar, though. It plays... It plays beautifully. It plays though. great. I'm not going to say it Of course, if I gave it to I you for that. a week, you'd probably pull out the guts and put some other crap in there, I bet. I, I, if you gave it to me, yeah. yeah. Not if I was just going to give it back. No, I'm like, Hell here, not. you can borrow this thing yeah. and then you just here's, send here's it back. Guts. Oh, by the way, I chopped the pick guard into <laughs> giant squares. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, what I think, though, well, uh, okay, let's say time, time and money are no issue. Then by all means, like bring all the basses you want and all the guitars you want. Like, I think that's, you know, shit, play multiple drum sets, you know? I mean, you want to talk about something that takes a long time. I've spent, I've paid for a day of recording before, which looking back, this is a total ripoff where they were like, okay, you're going to pay for four days. One of those days was setting up and miking drums. No, that's, I mean, if you're making, if you're making a huge record, no. that's not uncommon. But if you've got four days, four days to do, let's say seven songs and not even have any, having any takes out of one of those days, just getting tones, hundred percent, which you're then going to come in the next day and it's going to sound different and you're yep. going to change it. Okay, and everything needs to be tuned up again. And that's, I mean, I get it because in my experience and I think most recordists experience recording drums is the biggest butthole of them all. Uh. It's, it's sometimes you get lucky and it sounds amazing the first try, but I would say by far, most of the time it sounds like poo-poos. Yeah. I was just, I think it was reverb, uh, put out a, like, uh, six unconventional kick drum recording thing, famous recordings that yeah. happened. And the one that they were talking about, and I've actually seen people do this is the kick drum of doom where the, I think it was for nevermind Nirvana nevermind. They put three shells, yeah. full kick drum shells. Yep back to back to back so it was like a long tunnel of, of so it was a long tunnel yeah. and um that is 
on top of the fact that you have Dave Grohl kicking the thing, <laughs> it, that's why that the the drum sounds so awesome. So there are many, yeah. many, many ways you can try to go about it, and most yeah. of them are crap. So let so after this whole conversation, I've kind of I've thought about it. I'm a simplistic man, man. I want to set up the drums and use that drum set for the whole record. I want to set up the amp and use that amp. Unless it's like, hey, like a cool solo or something, mix some stuff in. But for the most part, I want to stick with the same shit through the whole thing. And that's just, maybe that's just me. And maybe it's going back to that old school mentality. Like when those guys showed up to record records in the 60s, they didn't bring four amps with them usually, right? They probably played one or two. So I feel you. I'm, yeah. I'm going, I'm going to, I'm going to say final answer. I'm going to go like as simple as possible, be as efficient as possible and make the play, make the, make the music come out of your hands, not out of, out of your gear. I, I think I agree with your sentiment. I think, I think we're coming from the same place. I think my reasons are probably different. Yeah. So what do you think? I'm thinking about it as on the other side of the glass when you're recording it. And when you have, 40 guitar tracks that you can sift through it almost become it, it it becomes option paralysis and and how do you possibly know which one to pick That's if you if you lock in and the same thing happens with plugins if you in the computer realm if you commit to a sound on the way in like we do with this podcast and i like to do with recording where you have some character and some like vibe that you're going for already mm-hmm. being digitally written that decision's made already and that's your sound if you you can then still go and tweak it but if you leave all of that for after the fact when you have literally endless options that you can go through how do you get option paralysis how do you possibly know what to do you just so, so how much is how much is too much well from the aspect of committing i think you i think too much is anything beyond what you are going to use I, you can't necessarily know that every time you're probably going to have a couple mics set up on the drum kit that don't make it all the way into the final mix sure. or just sort of sitting there feeling or like a room mic or whatever but when it comes to the actual gear i if i was going to go in for a session i would probably bring three guitars perfect you know yeah. you have the humbucker thing the single coil thing maybe if you're if you're acoustic, maybe if not, if you don't need acoustic, maybe something weird like some like a kind of baritone or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but okay, so we but this this is the other aspect the other aspect of the conversation we've been talking about it. How much is too much when you're going to record? I'm not. What about like how much is too much? Period. To own how many how many how many guitars is too many guitars? I've I mean, been thinking about this a lot lately, and or. or I've been thinking about it, but also more, I've just been sort of feeling guilty about it lately, looking at how many things are sitting around all the time. Uh, see, but you're better, you're better with gear than me where like you actually aren't afraid to like trade and sell stuff if, to get something else mm-hmm. where I, I find like I, everything I get, I want to, I want to keep forever. So, you know, I, I can't just like buy more stuff without trading something off. You know what I mean? That is a different by the perspective. Way, on I would it. never tell somebody how to spend their money. I mean, I, which does remind me, I, uh, forgot to bring over that John Entwistle book. Oh, I have a coffee table book. It's called John guy. Entwistle Bass Collection, but it has a lot of guitars in it too. It's like this thick, which is like an inch thick, <laughs> and this thick. That looks like the, more than an inch yeah, from where I'm maybe sitting. A, okay, but. maybe an inch and a half. But it's it's a thick book. He had hundreds and hundreds of it. He would go to every city he went to. He would just go guitar shopping, which is crazy because he eventually went broke. 
I mean, he must he, have. He had a mansion sold. when he died. They showed. And, well, that's right. Well, there were stories about the Who getting back together in the '90s, specifically because he was he broke needed the money, and he yeah. needed the money. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Um, so that's crazy that he was able to maintain that collection. While, I knew like, I was forgetting something when broke. I came over today, man. I, I wanted to show you. You brought that hams, book. but not. I know I brought beer, but um. So, anyways, for that for that reason, I I can't see like ever telling to tell somebody like, oh, you shouldn't own. How about people that buy only the same thing, man? I I'm on Talkbase, you know, the forum. Mm-hmm. There's people on there. I shit you not, that have a dozen jazz bases, all the same, like just different colors, basically, mm-hmm. and like maybe from different years and stuff. But they're all single coil jazz bases, like, you know, maybe one. Are of them you has playing a, all of those? Well, that's what I wonder, like. Are you not married? <laughs> my wife would kill I'm me. I'm not, bro. Yeah. Hashtag yeah. old wounds. Oh, shit. Um, I, but I, that's the thing, man. I, I just, that's a lot. That's overkill. I think it's cool to have a bunch of different stuff, man. I mean, I've always had, you know, an arsenal of different guitars. I've never owned two of the same thing. So this is, this is kind of at the core of how I feel about it in that I don't want, I want to have the options, which we were just sort of bemoaning previously where i i don't but the thing is i don't want to have any redundancies Mm -hmm. so if i think i need this particular kind of sound i want to have the thing to get that kind of sound or the thing that has this kind of feel or the instrument that makes me sort of play a certain way but i don't want to have three of the same thing no i i mean again do what you want but like why would you have why would you have three les pauls well, I could, I could, if you, all right, let me rationalize it for you really fast. Uh, maybe you want one that has humbuckers. Uh, maybe you want one that has P90s. And let's see, maybe you want one that's more like a shredder guitar that has a Floyd Rose on it. Okay. So, and this is the next point that I was actually going to make is that I found myself developing new ways to rationalize what different options means and how much deflecting are you doing by not practicing by just buying these different guitars is, i guess what i'm saying like me, not, me personally or the not average, you but average the average me. person who collect the guy who's got 12 jazz bases it what is he what is he afraid of that he that's making him keep buying all those guitars well i, I think i mean i would my, philosophically i feel like yeah if you have to choose between buying gear and playing gear i would i would hope that people choose playing gear but we're also sitting here making a fucking podcast (laughs) about gear you know and 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 this is this is at the core of it what is the point of all this Mm -hmm. Uh, like is it for making music or is it for collecting and is there is one better than the other no i have a preference but i'm also both of those things me too man i i i love i'm an active music maker and consumer but i also love the this just the physical design aspect of it and, and the collection aspect of it yeah. too yeah me too but then how do you how do you keep that in check that's why I, I don't i'm trying to develop ways to not let it get out of control do you think it's becoming a problem for yourself i don't i'm i'm i don't think it is but i'm worried that it, it might be interesting i mean see like i said earlier you you don't have a problem though getting rid of stuff so like like you've already traded how many in the last three months how many guitars have you bought and sold? i mean you've you've moved a lot of gear uh in in the three months it hasn't been that many well, i mean i've 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 acquired more than i've since that last guitar show what was that three months ago or something mm-hmm. so let's say that oh that's true then, i guess i did i yeah. i did sell some things you brought i mean you showed me I guess the spreadsheet I have, yeah i have sold probably five or six guitars and and acquired five or six yeah in that time so i guess what wow, I'm saying, i guess i didn't even realize that you're okay. keeping it moving you're not just hoarding shit, which is like what I ended up doing. And it, it was not easy to sell some of the gear that I sold, which most of it was like, not even that great of stuff. But, um, 
I think that's that's a good point that I hadn't really thought about when I feel that made me feel better about the fact that I'm just pretty much recycling yeah. at this point. I'm not very rarely am I adding new money into the equation here. It's all but granted there has been money spent in the past that has allowed me to have these things to trade. But I am much more interested in in trading and the barter aspect of things than it's fun to straight up cash. Yeah. I just like the art of the hunt, I guess, you know, absolutely. Um, it's our, it's the caveman in us. Yeah. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. So hopefully that'll never die. I mean, I think it's always important to have that, um, that want, but I think if, if you get to a point where you're deflecting off of what your, what your goal is, like, let's say if you are trying to be a musician, but you're always buying new shit and stuff, I don't know, maybe, I mean, that's good, but what you ever heard that saying, like a little less eBay, a little more Mel Bay. No, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. That's an old one. Yeah, that's an old one. Yeah. That was my first guitar book. Yeah. The Mel Bay guitar, beginner's guitar method. That's, I mean, so people always say that. And, and I've actually come to find, and I'm not by any means like a great player, but like people who, people who buy are just buying and buying and buying and buying and buying gear aren't generally like focused on trying to get better as a musician or trying to join another band or trying to start writing their own songs. It's just the way I've, the, from what I've seen. And, and, and while that might may or may not be true, I think it might be that also my opinion is that it kind of doesn't matter if you, if you're not, you know, if you're not starving your family or or whatever, like, and that, and that's kind of your, your hobby and, and, and that your hobby plays into like the, your passions. Well, then that's cool too. Like I, and and this is an opinion I didn't necessarily feel very strongly about before we started talking. So I'm, I'm, I'm learning some things is the point here. I can tell. Which is great, and and I guess maybe it's making me feel a little better about about myself. Although I do I do feel like I need to I need to unload at least one, maybe two amps. I think I've I've hit have a bit of an amp overload. Quite a few amps. Although we got to dig into that Roland JC120 the other day. Uh, oh yeah, that thing sounds so good. And shout out to Alex Ward. I know you're listening again. Uh, you got to come get this, this guy, thing, dude. top fan. Come right just here. play, top it. punk fan. Just play it right now. You tell me you don't want to. He can't come play it right now. He's off doing some fancy nationwide tour with his band hembry who's excellent second shout out shout out hembry um we need to shout out another band who else what other bands do we like i don't know we'll we'll think of one i'll shout out i'll shout out one of your bands easy demon oh hey easy demon easy comma demon yeah yeah we've been a little punch the mic hey what's uh, hitting the mic with your face what's up what's up char dog what's up russ what's up char dog what's up russ um I wanted to talk to you about something more just with the gear hoarding thing because now i'm kind of feeling it now i kind of want to get into talking a little shit Oh, how about people who bring all of their stuff to a gig? Like, Wait, let's say you bring three guitars to a, four guitars to a gig. How many gu- guitars to a gig? And even worse, I might go, how many basses should a bass player bring to a gig? You know, that's, and I was actually thinking about the bass part of this because I realized that, uh, I've put myself out there to play some bass gigs, you know, whatever I would do yeah. if somebody wanted to, I, I love playing would. bass. But I only own, I, I went from having four bases, mm-hmm. now I'm down to two. Right. And one of them is the Kala U bass. Yeah, which is. So I'm not showing up to the gig with that thing, which would be hilarious. It'd be an interesting backup bass, too, because you'd have to tweak the shit out of exactly. that thing to get it to, yeah. So if I were to play a bass gig, I, I don't have a backup bass. Granted, I've only ever seen bass players break strings at a gig maybe oh like five times in my life if, total. Dude, if you're breaking strings on a bass... Either you don't change your strings ever, or, yeah. you, or you're using really cheap strings, or you were hammering that thing with a pick. Right. So, so to answer your question, I think maximum two. I would probably just bring one. Well, I definitely would just bring one because I only could. Yeah. But I understand if 
you're touring, that's a different story than if you're like loading in from your basement or whatever, you know, like you your base is probably not as road beaten at that point for guitars. I've never brought more than two. Yeah. The other thing is that, uh, I've been in most for the most part, I've been in bands that had other guitar players. Oh, okay. And we would often just share one. So maybe, between maybe the two of us. three between two, you three between it. two, unless you've got an acoustic, then that's kind of, a yeah, thing. That, but that's what the song that's calls its own for. Thing. Um, so I totally agree with you. I think two, I always encourage like, you know, a guitar player, whoever I'm playing with that night to bring two. And just in case you break a string, you don't want to be like changing it on stage. I've done that. And it sucks. It I, I did sucks. that on du- at the double door the first time I ever played there. Um, that being said, bring two, but like, man, I, you know, I've heard about, you know, especially with bassists, man, I've heard about guys being like, I don't give a shit. I'm bringing four of my basses and I'm going to switch like every couple songs. I'm going to switch basses on stage. And it's like, dude, guess what? Nobody cares, man. Nope. Nobody cares. These are the same guys that complain about like, well, I'm going to bring my like, you know, you got to mic my amp. If like, if they want to use a DI or something to make it easier, they're like, no way, man, you got to bring another mic out here. Like for the sound guys, Mm -hmm. they'll just, they'll go off on these people. And it's like, dude, you're just playing it like a small gig for some of your friends. Like nobody, you know what I would do if I was that sound guy, I would, I would bring that mic out and I wouldn't even fucking turn it on and he would never know. I know. Right. Because it's not like you're running the, in most clubs you're not running the bass or the pa anyway well or getting if you bring a, a tiny bit of the di maybe but for mo- for the most part they're taking the di for the wedges dude or they'll bring um if you have like a solid state let's say you have like an old svt or a v4 like something that can't be di'd they'll bring you the di box and then you're just playing through that yeah. so then you're going through the monitors anyways and yep. it's like well what the hell was the point of because that because if you've got a bass amp on stage it's likely loud enough for the yeah. for the crowd yeah so um May, if they've got subs that might be a different story but right. you know a lot of places might not even have that and that being said man i uh I, I fly without training wheels dude i go one i bring one base to a show um if we were like touring or something you fly would, without training wheels. yes yeah dude you should get that tattooed i know i already have a tattoo <laughs> dude i was gonna show you that but we we're gonna save that for another episode um lower back yeah no around the navel tramp stamp oh like a circular around yeah, my belly button exactly. yeah that's attractive um no, but yeah, I, I'll just bring one to a gig. I mean, dude, if you're doing a 40-minute gig, you know, you bring the, just bring one. And plus, carrying a lot of stuff sucks. It and sucks. I've I've toured with heavy amps. I, at one point, was running dual amps live. That was stupid. Yeah. It was, I was running a the that Gibson Skylark. Oh. Which is. It's a small amp. A 60s. Mid, I think 65 or 66. Like a 20 watt little guy? No, it's less than that. I think it's probably like 7 watts or oh, something. Boy. Running into a vertical Gibson vintage 4x10. Okay. It was a PA cabinet from the 60s. Kind of cool. Essentially. And then that, and then I think I was also running the Bogner. Okay, I was going to say. At the same time. And that was stupid. I basically had to fill, I had a Jeep Wrangler. Yeah. I basically had to fill up my entire automobile with just my rig yeah. let alone the rest of the band who had to play this show it was so and nobody could tell the difference it oh. probably wasn't even it probably they again he probably didn't even put it through the pa no nobody could hear it it was yeah. it was such a waste yeah i mean look if that's your tone that's your tone and i get it um you know there's also really cool situations where like there's a band like death from above 1979 oh. where the guy's got like two huge bass cabs and one of them's like turned sideways Those, and he's got was it pvs he plays the dual pv heads and i think he i'm not sure what kind of i think he he plays whatever cabs they have i've seen him play through orange i've seen him play through marshalls and whatever else but um he has like two six by ten cabs or six twelve cabs like some ridiculous yeah. And then he's just, you know, he's got all these heads and all this cool stuff. But again, those are two guys 
and they that's the, that's core of the sound yeah and they're awesome i saw sun at rockefeller chapel okay and they're a, the loudest yeah. world loudest drone noise band they're not gonna they're not gonna show up they're with not Skylarks. gonna show up with a kemper and a skylark yeah so i i get that i'm not i'm in no yeah. way am i trying to talk down on that but no. for me it was a fool's errand to have yeah. brought those amps when i easily could have just used the one and it would have been fine in fact the skylark was never used again after that it's an my favorite re- recording app it sounds wicked yeah but it's not a live amp that's not what it's for and it was a stupid vanity project of mine to do that so that being said it to, to really take that idea and really minimize it are you cool with sharing amps on stage and playing with other bands maybe you, even if you don't know the guys like if guys are kind of on an email situation and they're like all right who's bringing the drums who's bringing the bass amp like are you cool with sharing guitar amps or do you think at least like bring your own guitar amp you know yeah i have a lot of times and i get I get, I see the value in that, especially if yep. it's too many bands on the bill and you want to, you don't have enough room for all the gear to be in, especially right. you want to get the changeovers done as quickly as possible. I've shared my amp many times. Sure. If I was, it's, it's weird. If I was, I don't, I guess it depends on the amp. Like if it was my Mesa, I would let somebody else use it because I know it's a modern amp that it's not going to blow up. It's Wide like, range of tone too on that. Thing. Well, but it's more so about the fact that like if, if I was to let somebody use my basement or my VT40 right and it blew up I it it, w- it would be mu- it would be actually much more likely for them to blow up and I don't, I wouldn't want to put somebody in that position and then guess what now I don't have an amp to use for the gig for and the maybe, gig. maybe ever because yeah. maybe the amp is dead or whatever Yeah my I I kind of think I think with drums and bass you got you know if we're just talking about sharing gear at shows like drums and bass should should probably be provided by the headlining band I I think it's just kind of like kosher as far as it goes, like at least maybe a bass cab. Yeah, sure. And and and, and the cymbals whole... and snare are such a yeah uh, are such a thing that like a personal thing that also can Even easily kick break. Pedal. Yeah. Kick pedal. Those yeah. are things that you can all easily but like, share. When we play gigs, you know, we'll find out who who's bringing the kit. Or obviously, if we're headlining, we'll bring the kit. Um, but then, it always yeah, seems like, weird though, and I've been in many situations where this has happened when because a lot of times the headliner will have like a personalized kick drum logo, so then oh, that band's logo is yeah. on stage eh, all night. I know I've thought about that, man. It's it's funny. Um, like I'm pretty sure we played a show together at one point back in the yeah. day, and we used the Blaine Fonda drum kit, and we just had like the Blaine Fonda yeah logo. Yeah, on Yeah, for stage a while all we night. had BF just uh, written on, it went like duct tape on the uh, drum head. So, and if anybody was ever like, we were gonna put a cardboard thing with our band name. I'll be honest. I don't. I don't know who's really paying attention to drum kickheads anymore. Are they like? Do people still look at those? I don't things? know. I do. I, I've ha, having designed them for bands yeah. I've been in the past. Right. Like I, I, I have. A, I think I have a vested interest. But you're right. Probably most people. But I, it could also be confusing if you like don't know these bands. And then you show up and then you're there and it's like, oh, this this is the Johnny and the Dickheads. And then right. it's not actually Johnny and the Dickheads. <laughs> it's actually Piss River. Yeah. Piss River's headlining that gig, dude. So. You better believe Piss River doesn't open for anybody. <laughs> Sometimes they run underneath That's others. Right. Just like a river. Um, yeah, so anyways, with sharing gear, I don't know where I was going off, but like, I, I do think maybe the guitar player, like I know Charlie brings his Vox when we play shows because yeah. it's like if we can share some drums and bass just to kind of keep stuff dude, off the stage. Dude, I was going to say that. I feel like I'm much more inclined to want to let people use my guitar amp if it means then like the rest of the band isn't put out by having to carry a big drum kit or yeah and the changeover like like you said man like one the sound guy doesn't want to mic this thing all over again if you're bringing your kit dude i remember a show we played um not that long ago where the opening band needed to use our kit so we brought it and then the middle band the guy brought his own kit 
And we were like, hey, man, we brought a kit. You don't need to use it. And he goes, no, I'm insisting on using my own drums for my set. So the second band had to, we yeah. had to tear down the drums. Second band had to put up his drum set so they could play their 40-minute gig or 40-minute set and then take the drums down and then put them all back, the old ones back up again. I mean, it was so stupid. I, I agree that that in practice is annoying, but I kind of sympathize with the guy who wanted to play his own drums. I mean, it's your prerogative. Like, you know, you don't yeah. have it. It's your right. I get it. I, I told, and I've been in that situation. I get, I get it. Like I've just used other amps that I didn't want to use maybe, even though I would have preferred mine. But if I, th- I still think that like, if you're, if that's, if you're that dedicated to the craft and like, you've got a specific thing, then fucking do you, man. I hear you, man. Yeah. And look, I mean, it's your right. You know, you, you have the gig just as much as the other band yeah. has the gig. So, you know, um, it's just, um, yeah, maybe don't bring like four bases to a gig. And switch between songs. Unless you're in a... I will judge you. For all that. Spinal Tap bass band. What was that? Uh, big big, big bottoms. bottoms. Yeah, Big Bottoms. Did you ever see when they got all those people on stage doing it at once? There's like a video online. I, I don't even know how many, man. There must have been like 20 bases on stage. And all so. these people are plugged into like wirelesses and stuff. And they're all up on stage doing... Don't Dude, I think you need to start a karaoke mouth band <clears throat> karaoke mouth band yeah i like it you know i, I we kind of got way far away from the guitar show and i went before we're i feel like we're kind of circling the drain of the ending here yeah uh, but I, before we get totally out i want to i wanted to put it back out there was there anything about the guitar show that we didn't really talk about i mean we could talk about my new favorite telecaster in the entire world buck owen the buck owen signature telecaster i don't know where it's made i don't know what year they were done we probably have to look it up henry you probably know more about them than i do i don't i've never seen so many buck owens if you guys don't know a buck owens telecaster is a it's a three-tone telecaster it's got it's got a blue stripe, a white stripe, and a red stripe. That's white what, stripe, it's bro. Goddamn. No, most, it was it was almost like a yellow stripe kind of. I think wasn't it was. It? Was it aged? Was I don't it like know. an aged I'm white? I'm not sure. Because they're not way, that old, are they? It's it's very American looking. Like from stage, America. It's sparkly. It's glittery. It's got gold hardware. It's I think. the Scott Stapp of Telecasters. We must have seen two dozen of these things at the show. I'm not kidding. Um, we went in and we joked about one when we saw the first one and then they just kept popping. And I kind of liked it at first cause I'd seen it, but I never really seen one in person. I was like, Oh, that's goofy, but I dig it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a cool stage guitar. Like oh, if you were yeah. like, I'm going to be like this, like big, like larger than life, like stage performer, which I'm assuming Buck Owens was, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, a sparkly Telecaster is probably the best way to go. But then we saw four of them and I saw the price tag on those things. Dude, you, how much were they? Like 3,500. Tree five hundies. Tree five. I think he would have done. T- I think he would have sold the pair of them that he had for the maybe, one dude had two. Maybe two for six. Uh, no, well, one was one was. I remember one of the two was more expensive for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. Why. I don't know either. It, Four Buck Owens tellies in one building at once. Dude, there were more than that, but I just didn't want. I I didn't want the joke to get old. There, I saw a lot more. Really? Yeah, dude. They were all over the place. Wow. They were in cases on the. You've floor. You've got an eye for them. They were cases on the floor. I saw like one guy was carrying one out. I'm telling you, I've never seen so many Buck Owens Telecasters. I don't the know. The place if this was is, lousy with Buck Owens Tellies. I think if it, it's either the most oversold or undersold guitar ever. I couldn't tell because nobody was buying them. No, what you should have done was bought all of them and then you just run the oh Buck Owens God. market. Just run that market. I'm paying top dollar though at 3,500 a piece for those things. What? Yeah, I, they're I would not like even to know a custom shop. Are they like mid 2000s or something? I think something? they're like early 2000s, mid 90s. Okay. I think they're mid 90s, which. If you know anything about Fender history, like the mid '90s USA stuff is not great. Like it's not notably great. It's fine. 
I think some people are going to be upset about that. Bring it on. Somebody's upset about everything. Someone's favorite guitar is their 95 US Telecaster. Dude, I've got an 84 Tele, and that thing is delightful. That's a different era. That's a beautiful guitar. That was just before, no, just as CBS sold. Yeah, they were still using parts from the 70s on those guitars to save money. Because I and I know that it's an '84 now because I just recently yeah. took it apart. Finally took the neck off. Well, because we thought this the serial number. It was sold to me as an '84. Then mm-hmm. the serial number made us think it was an '83. And then I met a dude that told me he thought it was an '87 because yeah. he had some of them. So then she needed a bath. Yeah, took the neck off, and that's an '84. Yeah, made, she's a made '84 neck. I love that thing. And as far as I'm concerned, it, it feels like a '70s. I've played '70s tellies before, and it, same neck profile and all that good stuff. So. Oh, dude, I didn't even say I want. I, we didn't even talk. I got some stuff. At, I got some new gear at the at the event. I want to talk about this. Um, do we? Should we bring anything out to look at? Yeah, go grab it. Yeah. Uh, so I, on top of bringing the Jazz Master, this is. Super I cool. also brought. Uh, an old boss pedal that I had, the boss super feedbacker and distortion. Which and I guess are, are people like those things. That pe- guy had people the, dig them. Guy had three, two or three of those things. And uh, I met this one dude who had a guitar shop from San Antonio. We were going by and he had a bunch of really cool stuff. And I happened to notice in the case, he had both the super feedbacker and distortion and the super distortion and feedbacker. So you're like, that's my guy. That's my hook. <laughs> and so I was like, Hey, like he checked out the jazz master. He seems sort of interested. I was like, I've also got a pal. He's like, Oh, what do you got? So I showed him the box. He's like, Oh, cool. He's like, dude, he's like, this is like, he's, he said he, every rig he uses, he uses that pedal. Like that's cool, and looking at his stuff, and he had tons of cool, really cool pedals, a bunch of awesome old Maestro fuzzes and yeah. stuff like that. But he, I happened to see, I knew that he was going to value my pedal at about a hundred bucks or so, which is fair. You know, they go for maybe a little bit more than that. But he has a shop. I think he was selling his for like one forty. Right. Yeah. And uh, I happen to notice what I'm now holding in my hands that Dave just picked up and brought over here, which is the first ever Electro Harmonics product. The LPB1 Power Booster. It's still available today. You can buy a pedal that still has this exact circuit. It's basically just like a kind of a cool little dirty boost thing. Did they reissue it into a pedal form? They so did. right now, what you're holding in your hand, it's not a pedal. If you were to look at it or Google no, it. it's like a it's like a rectangular metal box, maybe an inch and a half by two. That also on one end has a built-in output plug like you'd have on a guitar cable right. and then the other side is the input like you'd have on your guitar well that's te- technically an output but this is an input right. and this was designed either a to you can you can you can reverse wire it but the way it's really designed is you plug this straight into the amp and then you like run a cable from your guitar into this so it's this kind of weird goofy box it just hangs off your guitar kind of right? uh, just based on the the strength of the connection of this cable which is a terrible design but this is the first ever one they ever made yeah. they, they made it in this box for years after and had sort of different designs but this is the from the original one it's you know kind of beat up and the the pot is a little bent um, but i took it apart and threw a new battery in there and uh it sounds pretty it cool sounds man. super cool man if i mean if you want a cool boosted almost like a boosted fuzz tone which isn't like overly fuzzy it it really i was surprised how when we tried it through the roland actually which is a very clean amp you were really able to get a really cool like um you know, almost an overdrive. Yeah, it was kind of, yeah, there's a fuzziness to it for sure. And it's just got one switch, like a regular sort of almost light switch Mm -hmm. and one pot that just goes from quiet to loud pot being potentiometer or a knob. And, uh, 
I yeah, I'm super stoked. It's cool because it's I've always thought these were super cool, but I probably wouldn't have spent the like 150 bucks yeah. or whatever on it. Um, but just to be able to trade something that I wasn't using for something pretty historic and cool, I think this this is a I'm gonna put this in the keeper pile. I don't think this yeah. is unless somebody's like dying for one and you know uh, it's gonna part of a trade for a 56 gold top dark back. But uh, <laughs> I think this I think this is gonna stick. Yeah, around. that'll that'll sweeten the deal on a gold top for sure. <laughs> uh, I these are going in in this condition. These are going for like 200 bucks yeah on Reaver, i was which surprised is crazy. he kind of gave it up as easily as i was kind of worried it wasn't going to work or something just well he had he had a bunch of different ones this was the only original one yeah he, he had, had a, he had the second generation yeah one, exactly which i think is is a, still really cool but i think a, for some reason a little less valuable do you set up what was it the ace freely circuit was he the one he was talking but there is after they came out with the lpb one they came out with some other little plug-in pedal yeah. like or not pedal effect like this and i can't remember what it was called but he, he kept referring it to this, as the ace freely thing which like frankly means nothing to me because like kiss is fine i guess but i'm not i'm not like part <laughs> not, of the kiss army or they're something. not known for like their guitar tone are they like I mean, maybe not the tone i mean they're sort of known for the guitar pyrotechnics perhaps both yeah. both literally and figuratively but I, yeah, the, I, I never, I don't, I'm sure many people use this at some point because well, the Electro Harmonics was a famous company. Kiss after. was a, they were, they were known to move around a lot on stage. What I'm, what I'm curious about is did he just like duct tape that thing to his guitar then? Probably. I know Brian May used a treble booster where yeah. it was basically the same kind of deal. Billy Gibbons. Oh no, he was, never mind. He uses a wireless that he yeah. puts on a thing, but, um, but that's what that kind of looks like. It almost looks like if it had like a belt clip on it, you could clip it to your strap or something like that. You know? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah i mean it mine has there's a little bit of wear on the back and i almost wonder if maybe somebody had pop previously mm-hmm. done something like that but i mean for a whatever 40 45 year old piece of equipment right yeah. here this thing is actually in pretty solid shape i, I love say. it i think it's really really cool actually and i think it's one of the uh i think it's one of the coolest little pedal booster vintage things i've seen in a long time so that was one of the things. And then I also got a new strap. Strap town. Let's talk about straps. Strap. Strap it out. Man. Well, so tell me tell me about the strap you got. Well, we were making our rounds. I think this was, we, 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 we decided to do a full lap where we would go up and down every aisle. And then I think we, I think it was on the second round where we kind of just made like a, another pass by some places of interest before we left. Yeah. I was talking to the guy a little bit and you were, you had kind of wandered off at one of the booths and then you're like, dude, there's some straps over here and they're, and, and they're really old looking. And there was a sign that said a dollar a piece. And we're yeah. like, what? Well now, so he had, um, the majority of them were crap. I mean, they were like, there were those old, really skinny leather, really ones. skinny leather ones with like almost like a shoestring holding it, you know, yeah. like a leather shoestring. But then there was something that looked like a knit ACE strap sitting there. So we saw it and I walked over and, and you were holding it and I was like, dude, if you don't buy it, I am. Yeah, one dollar. I, I mean, was like, I didn't even. It just looked cool. It yeah. was beat up and dirty, but it looked like an ace strap. Mm-hmm. So we brought it back over to the guy. You're like, no, I don't. You said you're like, I don't have anything. To put I, w- it on. I would have to buy another guitar just for the strap, which I don't want to go down and, that road. And right now. the so the backing was mostly gone. Mm-hmm. The like leather backing, or what, I don't even know if it was leather at the time. Yeah. Uh, and I brought it over. I was like, this really a dollar? He's like, yeah. He's like, I think that's an ace strap. I was like, what? Yeah. For, and we keep saying ace strap. I know we've talked about these on previous episodes. It's just a very General. desirable yeah. uh, vintage strap maker. Yeah. They're like, the you know, those really colorful knit straps. Um, Hendrix, obviously, yeah. like famously had them. Um, I'm sure Clapton had one. And like some everybody of those guys. used them at, at everybody. a certain point. Um, and, and to find one sitting on dollar. I mean, I don't know. One dollar, though. I don't know. I don't know what the value is no. in its current state, but it's, it's got some rips and stuff. It's certainly more than a dollar. Dude, it's super cool. I mean, a strap is one of those things to me where it's like 
you know, I, I love soldier straps. I know we talked about mm-hmm. soldier on here and they're from Chicago. They're a great company. So they, they basically, you know, remake these similar looking straps, but if you could find an old ACE one, man, I mean, it just vintage mojo, cool, whatever factor, uh, it's through the roof. It's super awesome. But like I said, since the backing is mostly off, it's of course not as structurally sound sure. as I would like. So I'm going to have to look into having someone put it back on, put it, it back on it or use it for your ukulele. Or or just do have the most ridiculously nice over nice strap for a ukulele. I told you, and I would have to get a ukulele. I don't have one. I I I guess I could put it on a mandolin or banjo. Oh, mandolin. Yeah, you have that Gibson mandolin or Epiphone mandolin. It's yeah, Epiphone pre Gibson. That's super. I would put it on that. That would look really cool. Again, but like I want to use it on something something I play all the time. Like maybe the Gretsch or no, I think the Gretsch needs a darker strap than that one. That one's got some white in it or whatever yellowed white now. Um. And then you don't want to put it on your acoustic because you don't you don't like the string through the top of the the nut area acoustic. I'd rather barf everywhere than <laughs> than do that. See, I love it, man. I'm all about it. I think it looks so horrible. Oh, it, it I looks hate so the stupid. way it looks. And, it, and it feels worse than it looks too. It slides around weird. You don't have you don't have any control over the Possibly. instrument. But I also don't want to drill a, a strap hole in the back of my vintage Martin. I was just looking for a quick solution for you. You know, if you want to use it, that's what I would have to do. Yeah. I get it, but I absolutely hate it. I, I would rather, it. I would absolutely 100% just sit. By the way, I probably wouldn't trust that strap to hold your beautiful Martin acoustic at this point. No, I would, life. I would still have to get it reinforced yeah, and it yeah. probably wouldn't be very comfortable on the shoulder either. No, you know, no. I've actually, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a lot ashamed to admit have been researching and when I say researching, I mean, did a search on Zounds for those like, like a little pad that you can slip over a strap yeah. for my Les Paul. Yeah. It's um, got a little like little gel guys in there that yeah. make it, make it not so horrible on my shoulder. Yeah. I hear you, man. Um, Do you hear me about how lame that is or about yeah, the need for it? That's, I can only see one direction when it comes to yeah. like, look, here's my thing. As long as you're not getting the cross brace strap where it like goes over both oh, shoulders, yeah. we're, we're cool. And even if you I got, wonder if those will ever become in fashion. Like, do you know. think it's more likely that those become in fashion or that guitar based music just dies completely? It, yeah. The music will die before. Really? Those. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like only, like only rock stars use those double well, because straps. Ergonomically it's way better for your back. Of course. But it looks ridiculous. Right. You look like you're wearing like a gun holster. But maybe someday someone's going to be like, wow, those guys breaking their backs. It looks ridiculous. Yeah. Now they now we don't have scoliosis. Well, that's the nice thing about today. We have already had people experiment that. Like the guys, you know, who are in their 60s and 70s now who are carrying old Ampegs and old, you know, Fender amps and boxes. Those guys and, and playing, you know, heavy Les Pauls. Those guys are like, to hell with those heavy amps. I'm switching to solid state, you know, class D. ZT lunchbox, baby. Yeah, bro. So it's it. We've already uh, passed that passed that level. So I think, I think if you're using the double, you know, double brace. Hey, at least you're out there playing. You know, that's yeah, that's cool. Always be playing. ABP. Yeah, ABP, man. You know, speaking of getting past the level of things, I think we've gone past the level of how much time we should be spending on this fucking podcast because it's like <laughs> it's like Avengers Endgame long now. But that's we can just we can sit here and talk, man. This is, what, this, this is what this is all about. We do. But I was there. Was there anything that you felt like we missed? Because I feel like we. I feel like I feel pretty good about. I wanted to make down. sure we covered the Buck Owens Telecaster. That was important to me. Bot. Um, I do. I do think uh, I'm going to bring a guitar next time we go to a guitar show just to yes. have a conversation. 
Um, because I kind of fell out of the loop, not having anything. They're like, "Does this guy even play? Who's no, this guy?" Must, must he's be taking a, must pic- be a bass player. He must be just taking pictures on his phone the whole time. Um. Oh yeah, you GoPro'd uh, a I, bit too. Yeah, which we should upload somehow to something. Maybe to the website. I don't yeah, know. that's a good. We'll yeah, well, 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 you you can you know you can maybe put the on the YouTube's and it's then you put you. it on the on the website. It's from you there, playing. You so I have you know no. Yeah, we'll say, see. Really. It's me being nervous with a being really nervous three hundred thousand dollar guitar. Three hundred eighty thousand dollar guitar. Dude, I I'm like call, pretty sure it was two eighty seven. Call CME right now and ask. They've them. got a website. What do you mean call Wait, them? Before we quit on that, I did want to talk about when we were talking to your friend who works there. Oh yeah. He said that wasn't the coolest guitar that CME That's brought right. to that show. He did say that. They brought a 1959, mm-hmm. all black, maybe one of 10. 355. 355 Gibson. And it was hanging there right next to the to the uh, Les Paul, like like it was you know just another guitar that they had. It's that uh, it's it has the full tuxedo look with the the bound everything, and apparently in that year, and I'm I'm by no stretch a three fifty five expert. He said that he thinks that there are about maybe ten that maybe they actually 10. made in the factory that year. So he's like, yeah, the the burst is cool, but like you want to talk rare guitars, yeah. that three fifty five next to it, and he uh, disclosed to us. Can I say? Yeah. He disclosed to us that they turned down an offer for $100,000. Turned it down. Turned it down. Said, nope, cash, 100000 not interested. So that's the kind of things those guys are dealing with. Buy yourself a heck of a boat with a hundy thou. Yeah, you could get a real good deal on a boat, man. I know a guy. I'm thinking about, I know a guy too, about a 75 piece. So hey, before we go, I think yeah. we should tease the fact that we've, we were talking about a nice little, little promotion that yeah. we're thinking about for the podcast. Oh, I, I love this. I'm not going to disclose what it is yet Mm-mm. because we have, actually we haven't figured it out totally. We, we have we've got some ideas, but we're going to do a giveaway. Giveaway. Where basically we're going to make you do some annoying social media stuff like follow us and mm-hmm. you know like a thing and post a thing or whatever, and then you'll be entered into win something that we deem worthy of giving away yeah. from our personal collections. Yeah, yeah. Henry texted me with this idea the other day. I thought it was brilliant, and then I'm and like, you're like, well, what the fuck what are we going to give away? Gonna give away? <laughs> I don't have enough shit to give away anymore, so uh, we'll figure it out. Though we have some cool stuff, we have some cool ideas. We'll get back to you guys on that. If I you're think still I know. I, we talked. We we touched on it. I think I know. I think I know what the, the thing might be, but I also kind of want to like customize it. So maybe this is what we need to get our our asses going to like get some stickers made or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I like you it. Know? I like it. All right, dude. Well, good podcast. Yeah, good talking to you, man.